In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favour in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, so they will provide me with safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he would give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate towards the Jackal Well and the Dung Gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the Fountain Gate and the King's Pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them the gracious hand of my God was on me, and the king had said to me, Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. When Sambalat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding, but as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or claim or historic right to it. Well, uh, it's great that you've been able to join us at King's today. Whether you're in person or online, you're very, very welcome. It's uh, my privilege to speak uh, through the day uh, about our, our, our vision and uh, we're rooting that out of Nehemiah 2 and as a part of our new Nehemiah uh, series. Uh, 
On the 4th of September, I had the privilege of attending Iris Fees' Thanksgiving service. Sadly, she had passed away. Uh, another person lost to COVID uh, across the last uh, winter. And uh, we just took the moment to celebrate her life. She was someone that was born in the same house and passed away in the same house she was born in and lived locally and had attended Kings her whole life. She was a lifelong member. She was a hero of the faith. And uh, we, we miss her. We miss her sitting in the second row on, uh, in our Catford venue. She'd be there at the 11.30, week in, week out. Uh, and I'd try and have a little chat with her at the end of a service. And she's always so encouraging. She is an example to us. And at the Thanksgiving service, her brother reminded us of a time, actually in 1941, uh, right in the middle of the Second World War, where the church had been closed down for some two years and it was just starting to open up. And he told some stories of in uh, 1941, midweek meetings starting to open up back in the building. And I thought to myself, what an example to us that for us in this generation, this has been the biggest challenge of our lives, both personally and corporately. But there are heroes of the faith that have gone before us and they've been through, well, things like the war, the Second World War, where churches couldn't meet because there were literally bombs falling from the sky and things were closed down and the people of God were probably in fear and scattered and then they had to regather and rebuild. And here we have Iris, an example of someone that lived through that and then there was a faithful member rebuilding the church, regathering the church, rejoicing about uh, her maker, the one she, she followed. And she's uh, an example. And that generation are an example to us. And now it's our time to rebuild. And this is what Nehemiah faced. He was in exile. He became aware that the city of Jerusalem was in ruin. Uh, Gates broken down, walls broken down, and the people of God were scattered. And it was a time of decline, and God spoke to him. And we saw last week in Andrew's brilliant opener, if you miss Andrew Wilson, our teaching pastor's opener last week, you want to get it because it sets, or listen to it, because it, it sets the scene for the whole series and puts it in context, in historical context, in, in theological conference and, uh, context. And one of the things he talked about was, that when we talk about the city or Jerusalem, it's like a prophetic picture to God's people now under the new covenant, uh, the church. And so when we say, oh, look, God wants to rebuild the city or rebuild Jerusalem, we're also talking about God's people, new covenant people, the church. And so the parallels, the prophetic parallels are strong. Nehemiah is going literally on a building project, but behind that is gathering of God's people in God's city, Jerusalem. And we're, we're doing the same. And so there are a lot of parallels between the Nehemiah story and where we are. We're in a rebuilding season. We've been scattered. Things that we've taken for granted, like that video we just saw of picnics and the buildings full and full of life and energy has just kind of stopped because of the pandemic. But now we're starting step by step to move towards normality. And as a church, we're having to go through a season of rebuilding re-gathering. So I just have a few things to share with you that I trust will encourage us and draw some principles from Nehemiah's story that can be applied to 
our moment in time and in history. So firstly, Nehemiah had a vision. It says in Nehemiah 2.5, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favour in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. So he's in exile, but he, he, he knows that the Jerusalem is in ruin, but he sees the future. He says, I want to I restore it. I want to rebuild it. I want to regather it. I want to repair it. I want to get it back to its historic splendor. He had a vision, a, a vision of the future. And uh, that's what we want to do. We want to kind of return uh, to how it was, don't we? We want that in our lives. Now, we'll always be marked by the pandemic. Uh, it'll always be one of those, I mean, most significant parts of our life. I guess as time passes and we look back 5, 10, 15 years, we'll say things, do you remember the lockdown? I was there. Do you remember this? It, it, will, it will stand out in our life cycle. But at, the, at this moment in time, we're now in the rebuilding phase and we want to have a clear vision of what we're rebuilding towards. And as we do that, God's prophetic word to us as a church still stands. It stood before the pandemic, it stood through the pandemic, and it now speaks to us again as we regather. If you're new to Kings and you're so welcome, we know there are tens and tens of new people at Kings at the moment. I just want to let you know that we've had a major prophetic directional word over us for a number of years. It's a picture built out of two massive waterfalls. Niagara Falls and Victoria Falls. And the prophetic word was simply this. Kings is like Niagara Falls. It's a strong, powerful, well-resourced, secure church. But it has a call, a wider call, like Victoria Falls, which is a mile long. And we felt that that meant that we had to expand and extend what God had called us to do. And we summarised it in three words. Reach, restore and resource. We want to reach thousands of people. We want to restore and disciple and care for thousands of people. We want to show mercy to our community. And we want to resource a big vision, a, a, a vision beyond ourselves into our community, in the, in, the, in the nation and even to the ends of the earth. And we believe that's what God called us to do and we still believe it. And that's what we're going to build towards. We're just going to gather back and we're going to preach the gospel and care for people and disciple and uh, hopefully get people get married and have kids and we're going to do life. And we're going to do it as God's uh, people and, and as a, a passionate community committed to God and to one another. And so that vision still stands. We've just got to rebuild it. I've given 25 years of my life to get, get lead us to where we were and then the pandemic hit, and now I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm committed. I'm, I'm in, everyone, to rebuild uh, and regather this church. To do that, just like Nehemiah, he knows he needs resources. My second point, it says uh, in Nehemiah two seven and eight, if it pleases the king, may I have letters. And so what he does, he goes to the king as a sort of superpower of the day, and he says, I need, I need resources to to do this rebuilding work. He realises to rebuild a city, he's going to need bricks and mortar, he's going to need, uh, did they have mortar in those days? I don't know, but you know what I, what I mean. He needs wood, he needs things to build gates. 
And so he, he, he approaches the king and says, look, can I have letters? And can I have permission to travel? Wouldn't it be nice to travel at the moment? I don't know if you've got any petrol or diesel. And those of you that have electric cars, remember it's a sin to boast about it. Okay, though we do commend your green uh, value system. So, oh, it's a tension, isn't it? But um, there has been a little bit of boasting going on with the electric car holders, and I'm not sure that's a, a fruit of the spirit, everyone. But anyway, hopefully you've got enough fuel to get to church today, um, and or you at least don't have to walk home. And so he writes letters to get resources, and he even come, he arrives with the cavalry. I, I, I actually nearly called this message. Here comes the cavalry. I can see a picture of me on a horse, you know, coming over a mountain to save some situation. And he arrives. Now, he, he does that because he, he's aware there are warlords that are taking an advantage of the people and the broken down walls. Sambalat, for example. And so he knows if he turns up with a cavalry, it brings security to the building project Nehemiah is about to set upon. Like Nehemiah, I, I've wondered about writing a letter to all of you. Uh, maybe it'll be a blog post, the equivalent. Asking you now that we need to re-engage. We, we need your time, we need your treasure, and we need your talents. This church is made up of hundreds of unseen heroes that never stand on a platform or preach to you, but they're the people of God that serve that contribute, that brings their gifts, whether it be in music or kids or in serving uh, or just welcoming people or running a group or delivering food to the vulnerable in our community. Uh, in, in fact, we're a massive unseen army a lot of the time. And we've got used to just sitting at home watching it on TV. Well, as a part of our regathering, rebuilding and rejoicing uh, season now that we're in, we're going to need again for you to step forward. Nehemiah arrives and by night he, he does a face facts analysis, doesn't he? He, he? he doesn't say that in the scripture, but that's basically what he does. He, he gets on his horse and he goes round and he looks and says, all right, there's that wall's really ruined there. I'm going to need to have a strong team there. And okay, oh wow, that's a big gate. That's going to take a while. I'm going to have to protect that while I rebuild it. It's such a strategic part of the city. And we're doing exactly the same. The, the pastoral team and our operational team are working so hard behind the scenes to try and rebuild. And uh, we can only do it with you. Uh, I commend our team. They've been fantastic through the pandemic. And now they're, you know, kind of, as we reopen up, they're working hard and I'm going to ask you to stand with them and help them. But as I reflected on this part of the narrative, it made me reflect on these remarkable last um, 18 months or so. So in January 2020, we had probably the spiritual high of this church since I've ever been leading it. It took me 26 years to get to this spiritual high, but we just called it 21 days of prayer. You may remember in September, October 2019, I had a vision Sunday, just like this, just a couple of years ago. And I called the church to go deeper in God and said, we're going to have 21 days of prayer. We'd never done this before, prayer and fasting. We didn't know how it would go. And I remember preaching on it on the Sunday before we started on a Monday evening. 
And I didn't know if anyone was going to turn up. And people flooded in, tens, then hundreds. And not only on that first night, but every night for 21 days. And we went into the pandemic at a position as a church in a strong place, the strongest we've ever been. More attendance, higher attendance than ever before. Uh, prayer life at a high point, spiritual health high. Uh, our giving at that point in the first six or seven months of the, the, uh, the first six months of that, that church year, we were way ahead of budget. So our giving was way ahead. So all the indicators that one could uh, kind of discern was that we were in a strong place and uh, Deb and I went on a, a, a trip to Southern Africa, a three-week trip to Zambia, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. And while we're doing it, we're watching the pandemic spread across the world. And I actually know a pastor from Wuhan, and I'd seen him on video as his church was in lockdown. And we're watching from the bottom of Africa, looking up, thinking, oh, it's coming. It's spreading across. Look what's happening in Italy. This is coming. And flying back in the Friday before, arriving overnight, Friday morning. And then on one last Sunday where we went around the church and said, it's coming. We're going to be fine. Stay strong. And then we were basically locked down for 12 months, couldn't meet in person. COVID came, lockdown, then huge loss. March and April were very demanding for us as a local church. We were hit more than most. We lost a handful of people that attended Kings, but tens of people, up to 70, maybe as many as 100, connected to our extended family. Sisters and cousins, mums and dads, poppers, grandparents, um, people local, people in other parts of the UK and friends even around the world as the pandemic rolled out. I've never experienced anything like it. Literally through April, every day, hearing someone's just gone into ICU, that person's passed away, I've lost my mother. I mean, it was like nothing we'd ever experienced hugely demanding for all of us, let alone the uncertainty of where the pandemic was going. There's no uh, hope on the horizon like the vaccine, which obviously is, you know, I believe is common grace to us. That, that was a long way off. But these were dark days. They were difficult days. And then quickly after that, we had that watershed moment around the, the murder of uh, George Floyd and uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. And we, so very quickly, not in the context of loss and pain of COVID, we then had the whole issue of race and justice. Massive issue for us as a local church. This isn't something that is just happening on another side of the world. This, this is like a mirror image to many of our, 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 our people that come to Kings. It's their life experience with all the issues of legacy and justice and pain and a massive moment for us. Fortunately, as a church, it's not new material to us. So we have endeavoured to integrate it into our journey and our learning and we'll continue to do so. But it was a massive moment. And then you had the hope of Christmas coming and, you know, summer passed slightly better. I had a personal health challenge, was unwell for the best part of six months from August through to about January, just to add to the mix. And then uh, we went into second and third lockdown and basically the long winter and the hope of Christmas and then, no, we can't meet with friends and family demanding days and then we started to kind of break camp in March uh, this year where we started to very tentatively have in-person meetings not like our 
like we want, but just in a safe way. And kings, we have deliberately gone slow in opening up because we want to do it in a safe way. Uh, and that's why I'm with real encouragement now saying, look, I want you to kind of start to step back in. If you are uh, normally going out, if you go to cinema, football matches, restaurants, we're sort of saying, well, you should also come to church. Uh, so uh, we're encouraging you to regather now. Uh, in the midst of that, I took on the leadership of New Frontiers, our global family, and that's been demanding because, you know, across the world, friends of mine are in far more challenging uh, circumstances than we are, uh, as difficult as it's been. And so it's been a pressured time like I've never seen, but I'm extremely grateful for this church, for the way it stood firm, and in a sense, the foundations have been tested, and thus far, We've stood strong and well. Now the test is, as we see the broken walls, um, we see the gates are down and we look at gaps across our church, will we come back? Will we regather? We will, will we rebuild? I hope so. Um, time will tell. Nehemiah sees all the gaps and comes to the people and says, come let us rebuild. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And so I want to say to you, kings, it's time to regather. It's time to stay connected. We understand that for some of you, underlying health issues or care of elderly parents makes you cautious. We understand that. And that's why we'll continue to provide an online service for now. But we also, out of biblical conviction, think and believe in incarnational ministry. That is the example of Jesus, God himself that came from heaven and took on flesh and died for us and was raised from the dead for us. That's our model and that's why he has always wanted a people not just connected by internet and Zoom or online services as much as we were grateful for that provision, ultimately we're looking for something authentic that connects people not only to God but to each other in relationship and that's why uh, at King's anyway we will lean towards that now going forward. A, a gentle encouragement with all the caveats if the pandemic kicks off or virus and goes up or or variants change, and all those kind of unknowns, we'll adjust back then. But while, we, while the whole country kind of reopens, we will as well, and encourage you to come in person. So come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem together. And here's just a handful of ways that we're going to do that. Well, apart from saying let's regather and stay connected, secondly, we're going to pick up our journey in the, the, uh, around the issue of diversity. And in November, we're going to do a, a, an online survey. If, if you can't access the survey online, we'll also provide you a printed copy of the survey. But we want to do a listening exercise with the church. It's going to be around the issues of diversity, race and justice. It's going to be particularly getting feedback from you about your experience of the church. So it's going to be focused in on kings. It's not going to be focused in on how we change our culture or political issues. We're going to say, have we got the house of God right? And what, what areas do we need to grow in? And the results from that survey will feed into a teaching series we're going to do in February and March next year in the spring around the issue of race and justice again. Um, 
We've done this in the past. You know, the last one we did was we called Invited. I don't know what we're going to call this series. Maybe it will come out of the survey. But that will be available probably through November and we'll want to collate the results so it can feed into uh, our rebuilding uh, and particularly this core value of wanting to be an Ephesian 2 church. Yeah, reconciled between a reconciliation between God and man and also between one another. Different peoples, different ages and stages different cultures, different histories, different journeys connected together in Christ being our common ground. So that survey will help that. Secondly, we're going to set a big faith target for our giving. Thank you for the remarkable generosity of two million that we gave last year. That's amazing, isn't it? Well, we need to recover that as well. And so we're going to go for 2.1 million this um, year. That's, that's a big faith target. You know, gas prices going up, pasta, things like that. Well, let's put God first. Let's stay warm, but let's keep God first. Yeah, and so I think that's going to be a challenge this year. Uh, and we're going to lead it with faith, uh, asking you to give out of what you have, not of what you don't have, using the tithe as a good start point, but also teaching proportional giving. So some of us are a lot wealthier than we were 18 months ago. House prices, pension funds. So we are well-resourced, particularly my generation and above. Inheritance coming through, a whole range of factors. So there's more responsibility on those that have more than those that have less. And we want to go for it. We're going to go for 2.1 million. And some of the Ways that will be spent, how that will resource what we're doing is, here's just a couple of examples. We're going to expand our food ministry. We're not going to do as much as we did in this last year, uh, but we're going to expand it compared to what we did before the pandemic. So there's an additional 40,000 that we've set aside just to provide food for our local community. We're also going to give 40,000 to the church plant in Rotterdam to support Phil and Sarah who are now relocated over there and they're starting to build a local church there and plant a church. We hope you're excited by that and realise that as you give, that's the type of thing that we're helping. We also have to cover our responsibilities of exciting new projects that we started a decade ago. So for example, the Lee building, we now have about one, just over £1.3 million worth of debt on that facility and it costs us about 120,000 a year to service that debt and we plan to clear it off over the next 10, 15 years. And so you, you know what we're trying to do is we're trying to yeah, invest in new initiatives while also taking responsibility for the ones we're already committed to. There will be a really important Vision 2030 offering on the 7th or 14th of November where we'll take an additional offering towards that. We ask everyone to participate. And if you're new to Kings and you're starting to call Kings your home church, we ask you now to step in and give as we rebuild and we rejoice. As you hear this, I want to ask you, what is your response? Nehemiah says, come, let us rebuild and the people respond by saying, yes, let us rebuild. Come and let us rebuild, kings. And I'm looking for each of you to, in your heart now, say, yes, let us start rebuilding. What would stop us rebuilding? Well, the moment that Nehemiah says this and the people respond positively, the opposition comes up. Sambalat comes around and starts asking questions. Do you really can do that? Has the king really given you permission to do that? So there's opposition to the rebuilding plan and project. What's our opposition? 
I think I can think of at least two or three things. I mean, we haven't got a warlord coming around that's going to threaten us. But I suspect our challenges is that our opposition is passivity. It is things like consumerism and it's materialism. These are our... So it's basically, wow, my life is busy. And so actually it's worked quite well for me to sit at home and just watch the service online. And in, in, a, in a way, we've discipled each other. That's the only option we had, by the way. So it was, it was God's grace to us. But we don't want to make that our lifestyle. That isn't Christian discipleship, ultimately. And therefore, we have to challenge ourselves and speak to ourselves. No, God first. That's why the first day of the week is Sunday, everyone. That's why when it comes to your money, the first thing you do is honour God. Because it says, you're saying, I'm putting God first in my life. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to gather with God's people. I'm going to worship the risen Lord Jesus. You're declaring in the use of your time and in the use of your treasure and your talents, who's first in your life. And you just look at how you use your time. Just look at your bank account. Look at what you contribute and it will be a mirror to where you are in your relationship with God, probably. And that's what we want as we rebuild. We want a, a people that say yes to Jesus again. And so let's, uh, let's, let's challenge the God of passivity and of consumerism and materialism. And let's put God first. But lastly, and ultimately, my confidence is in God as we rebuild. When opposition comes, nearby responds and says, the God of heaven will give us success. In the end, it's not about us, it's about him. And uh, if you knew Iris Feezy, you would know that that was her example. That when there were high points in the church, she should praise Jesus. And when there were low points in the many years that she served this church, she would pray to the God of heaven, to bless the church and give the church and God's people success. And so ultimately, as we gather to pray just for seven days this year in January uh, 2022, um, we're, we're going to declare again that ultimately our confidence is not in man or us, but in God. So kings, as we go forward, let's do it prayerfully. I'm asking you now to step up. We've stood well. It's now the time to regather, rebuild and rejoice together. Let's pray. Lord, we do believe that, that the God of heaven will give us success. And as you have been so good to us over these last 25 years or so, and we've We've grown from a very sort of small, broken band of believers in rundown facilities to the place we got to just in January 2020, reaching more people ever before, praying more than ever before. Lord, we now, we're going to go again, kings. And God, we're going to ask you to do that and help us and know that it's you that will bring success. You're the only one that can save anyone. You're the only one that can heal and forgive and so we come to you and say, God of heaven, give us success as we rebuild together. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing and worship God together uh, as we continue to worship today.